Donald Trump spent Martin Luther King Day attacking special counsel Jack Smith, attacking Ron DeSantis, and attacking evangelical leaders. A hat trick of weirdness and hate being spewed by Donald Trump. The depths of Trump's delusion and his depravity are just reaching new lows. Did you even know it can go this low? Now as he fears what looks to be imminent indictments, Republican, lean, well, lead, Republican leaders, meanwhile, spent Martin Luther King Day pretending that they don't spend every other day of the year attacking Martin Luther King, King's legacy and teachings and trying to ban books and actually banning books about Martin Luther King. Gaslighters are going to gaslight and we need to call these extremists out. Kevin McCarthy stated in a press conference that he actually had, quote, some questions about George Santos's resume. Really, you have some questions. He also claimed he did not know that Santos's staffers were pretending to be McCarthy's chief of staff to raise money for Santos. Still, McCarthy and the House Republicans do not even have the ability, the, the minuscule fortitude to just so much as condemn Santos and say that's wrong. Think about that, which shows you just how weak Kevin McCarthy is and just what performative losers the House Republicans are. And this as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen sent a letter to McCarthy on Friday about the need to raise the debt ceiling this upcoming Thursday, the 19th, or the U.S. can eventually, by about June, run the risk of defaulting on its debts. Right, the rather simple act of functioning government, the act of raising the debt ceiling so we can Paying bills. have government work, is really not simple at all when you're now dealing with the grand old George Santos MAGA Republican Party that's determined to destroy our country. So what happens next? And I don't know, after focusing on battling the purple M&M, and spreading conspiracies about stoves and IRS agents and focusing a lot of time on allowing smoking back in the Capitol building and supporting George Santos, all while trying to cut your social security and raise taxes on the middle class and hardworking Americans. Guess what? Americans do not really support these crazy nutjob House Republicans who now have record low approval ratings already, disapproval ratings, if you will. And now with this, they want to hold our economy hostage as they focus on what? Their war on pronouns, their battle against Dr. Seuss, their ongoing conversations about testicle tanning, I don't know, or helping Papa Putin or whatever Tucker Carlson or their cult leader Donald Trump tells them to do at any given moment. That's the Republican Party for you today in 2023. And this is the Midas Touch podcast for you. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my brothers Brett and Jordy Micellis, calling out these MAGA Republicans. And right before we started this, I said, you know what? We haven't really called them the GQP in a while. We should call them the GQP. Why, why, why'd we stop calling them the GQP? 
let's bring I know you, there's so much in the course of a day in a week that sometimes things just get lost and buried but it what the GQP reminds me of as we're speaking about people like George Santos is they really are the party of just liars and conspiracy theorists yes. and perhaps nobody is actually more of a Republican today than George Santos he is emblematic of what this party became honestly they should make him the leader they should make him the leader of the party he so represents what this party is just a party of absolute fraud from top to bottom it is absolutely a disgrace but ben like you said it looks like the american people are catching yes. on catching on quick which is good to see this time around jordy how you do i just want to say jordy is looking extra fashionable today this jacket i am envious of the jacket right now looking really good man how are you doing jordy thanks thanks brothers yeah no i'm doing really well i'm, I'm excited for the show and I just can't help but agree with both of you. One, we need to start using the term GQP more often because that's exactly what this party, the GOP, represents. They're just a bunch of liars and frauds. And George Santos, man, you just can't you can't go a day without hearing this guy's name. Rightfully so. This guy is a complete lunatic who should be nowhere near an elected office. He should be behind bars. He's a fraudster. He defrauded the great people of New York's third congressional. It's it's absolutely outrageous. From a leadership from perspective, it should be the easiest thing in the Sla world. Ben, ben, slam dunk. It's a slam dunk. Especially right now. Look, I hear that they have, let's look at this very selfishly in Calisi. I get that it's a very slim majority that they have. Because even if it wasn't a slim majority, you got to get rid of the guy. But they still have enough seats where if you get rid of Santos, it really doesn't matter. It's not like the governor appoints uh, the replacement for Santos. That's not the way it works. There would be a special election. So if you believe in your candidates, you know, run another Republican there in that third congressional district and, and see what happens. And if you can't stand up to George Santos, think about as we're going to talk a little bit later in this podcast about raising the debt ceiling and actually having negotiations over real issues that matter to the American people. But if you can't look at George Santos, who's lied about everything, and now it's learned that, you know, selfishly too from McCarthy, that he's lying and pretending to be your chief of staff to it's raise McCarthy. It's Brad McCarthy and McCarthy and McCarthy. Do we have the clip of McCarthy? When McCarthy's like, "Well, I guess there's all something wrong there." Okay, well, shucks, I, I never, I never, I never, I never heard of that. It's like if you can't be like, "I am outraged," "I am livid," we will be addressing this. You don't have credibility in anything. Do we have this clip of him from today, Brett? We gotta play it. I never know all about his resume or not, but I always had a few questions about it. What about when you did the campaign? Pretending, pretending to be your chief of staff in, in his solicitation. You know, I didn't know about that. It happened, and I know um, they corrected, but I was not notified about that till uh, a later date. Did you speak to him about it at all? Yeah, I didn't know about it till a later date, though, unfortunately. He's like smiling. He's like, he's given that I, real, I, oh, I didn't see the tweet. I didn't see the tweet vibe. So uh, yeah, from all I, the Trump I, tweets and stuff, same thing, right, Jay? A, a few tells there. One, he's doing this weird thing with his head where he clearly has known about it and just doesn't know what to say. If you play that clip back, he's like, I don't know, shoving his head to the right. And then he keeps blinking. Like as he's talking, I, I can't, it's one, of my, it's one of my biggest pet peeves is like when you ask somebody a question, all of a sudden they start looking down and they're just not looking at you or engaging and they're sort of closing their eyes and then cocking their, I mean, the guy is out of sorts. 
out Here's of sorts. McCarthy needs to know that the worst is yet to come about George Santos. And every single day, it's not even a drip, drip, drip. It's like a faucet at full yes. blast of new news coming out about George Santos. And there are criminal implications here. But it seems that the Republican Party, according to them, by Kevin McCarthy's standard, he said uh, a, a few days ago, I can't even keep track anymore, when he was asked about Santos in a hallway and he was like, well, why should I get rid of George Santos? What crime has he committed? What crime? Well, I believe in innocent uh, until proven guilty. Let's let's play that clip and show you the evolution of Kevin McCarthy from just a few days ago until now, because I think even the change of in his answer is a bit telling as to what, what where McCarthy's mind is at right now. Here's from the other day. County GOP call on him to resign today. Does that affect your thinking at all? What do you intend no. to do about Congressman Santos? I try to stick by the Constitution. The voters elected him to serve. If there is a concern, he has to go through the ethics, we'll let him move through that. Uh, but right now, the voters have, have a voice in the decisions, not where people pick and choose based upon what somebody's press has. Would you, um, so he will continue to serve. Would you, are you going to take any action against him at this point? Are any of these allegations acceptable to you? What are the charges against him? Well, I mean, is there a charge against him? You know, in America today, you're innocent until proven guilty. Except the voters don't have an opportunity to make the decision. The voters voted for a different person entirely. <laughs> he made up everything about his life down to the fact that he was a volleyball superstar, which to me, out of all the things, is just like he the gets, most egregious. Okay, Brett, he gets though, and this is the <laughs> So specific. He gets really granular with the lie. And it's, you know, it's not even like uh, the... the, the <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like Baruch's ever even played Yale or Hart. Like I went and I looked at those years to see if I'm like, why would Baruch play an Ivy league school? Like, did they even play Yale or Harvard? <laughs> like I didn't even see it on the schedule. So he lies with such confidence. And then he's like, yeah, you know, I had, I had two knees, knee replacement surgeries. So like he, he talks about specific surgeries and it's not consistent though. It's not like his lies are all part of this like web where like you create, you know, like when you world build in Game of Thrones and you create like a real coherent language, there's no coherent. It's just constant lies that, you know, that you go to him. He's like, what color is this guy? Red, red, red. It's definitely red. It's pathological. It's pathological. Yeah. And he, it's almost like he it's can't so help so himself. And I would, do you think we should, should we play the volleyball clip? Because it's just, it's so insane. Please, it's so, yeah. And it just gets please worse and worse. Please, as please it play it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Just play it. Yeah. Just listen carefully to every little detail he says while we, while we play this. George Santos running against Tom Swazi in that third congressional district coming up next Tuesday. Hey, you know, it's funny, George. You go right to the New heart York here of me, Sid, and Bernie. <laughs> At the very end of your biography, it says, in his spare time, George Anthony enjoys volleyball and tennis. Let me tell you why that's funny. You're on this show. Bernie's daughter, Melanie, was a star volleyball player in college. And my daughter, Ava, as we speak, is working on a tennis scholarship when she goes to college. So the two sports that you seem to enjoy on the weekends are the same two sports our two daughters excelling. You know, it's funny. I actually went to school on a, on a volleyball scholarship. And, you did? And wow. I did, yeah. Um, when I was in Baruch, we were the number one volleyball Did you graduate team, from Baruch? Uh, did you graduate from there? Yeah. So did I. I did. I did. So lie, did I. lie, lie. Great school. Great institution. Very yes. liberal, but very good 
very good professors who don't show their bias, which is very liberal, very uh, interesting. But that's a whole nother conversation. But it's funny that we went to we went to to play against Harvard, Yale, and we slay them. We We were champions across the entire Northeast corridor. Every school that came up against us, they were shaking. And it's funny. I was the smallest guy and I'm six, two. We had on our block, on our on our uh, on our block alone, there were six, seven, six, eight. These guys weren't jumping; they were just stretching their arms up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were we were animal. All of us could have been playing basketball, but we chose volleyball because it was easier. <laughs> so it was a it was a great time. Uh, I, look, I sacrificed both my knees and got very nice knee replacement uh, knee replacements from oh, wow. HSS. Playing volleyball—that's how serious I took the game. <laughs> well, that's how serious you're taking politics. Is- He's like, he's, he, he's conjuring up the false memory in his mind and like laughing at it as well. And, you know, the, the height of the other players on the team, the fact that where Baruch ranked, like, I I don't know why I went back and looked at Baruch's schedule during the relevant time periods, because it's a whole lie to begin with. You know what? I, I think I actually know how this lie sort of originated. Like what he does, what I've been noticing is people in his lives actually live these experiences. So the person that had gone to Baruch, from my understanding, is actually um, one of his, you know, con artist business partners who actually did play volleyball. So he must have heard the anecdotes and the stories and tried to cherry pick that for his own life. I'm, I'm dead serious. So if you if you notice when he's delivering these lies, the specifics, what makes a good liar actually is being very specific about situations, because then who's going to question you? Who's going to be like, oh, you had two knee surgeries. No, you didn't. Let me see the information. Oh, you played Harvard. No, you didn't. Let me see. Let me see the scoreboard. No one's going to question you when you get that specific. But if you notice when the host actually says, oh, I went to Baruch too, it kind of throws Santos for a loop there for a second. He's got to start changing course and just say something totally haphazard and randomly like we'll come back to the Baruch conversation later, you know, about how liberal they are. And we could just bash schools and institutions for being super liberal. But at the end of it, I mean, he that that was actually a point of fluster for him when he starts to go into that. And then he starts getting to the specifics as he had heard them, most likely from his coworker or whatnot. Jordy, that's such a good point because he does go right to, uh, oh, you know, those liberal institutions, liberal indoctrination. No, 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 no. Like he, he goes straight into this talking point. He never went to the school. He never went to the school. He's, he's making things up. Yeah. And this is a guy, and let me tell you just why this is important. I know you know it, but this is a guy who will be voting on whether the United States defaults on its debt. This is the guy who has control over your life, your family's life, your social security, your Medicare, your health care. This is the guy with the control, the guy who lies about every single thing. It's really mind-blowing. It's really just frankly disgusting. The fact that this guy hasn't been ejected from the party weeks ago and that apparently the standard for Kevin McCarthy and Republicans is that he has to be whisked out of the House of Representatives in handcuffs. That's that's how- Think about it. If if this was a small business, a mom and pop shop, yet alone a, a corporation, you know, he would be gone in a second. And so you're telling me that it's the Republican Party and their leadership in the House of Representatives is the is really the only place in all of the United States 
where you could be a complete fraud, a criminal. You could sexually harass people, whatever you, you know, all the time. You could harass your coworkers all the time. That's what the Republican Party stands for. It's the exact opposite of law and order. They hate the law and they're all about disorder. And you go from George Santos and you talk about what Trump was posting on Martin Luther King Day and what Trump was talking about today. And you look, you see the McCarthy clip. You see the Santos clip. You see the Trump clip. We could roll out Comer. We could roll out Gates. We could roll out Bobert. We could roll out Marjorie Taylor Greene. We could roll out Gosar. We could roll out Biggs. We could roll out Perry. I I could go on and on and on for the days. They're all freaking like this. Every single one of them is like this. There is no moderate conservative. There is no conservative. It is this combination of criminality, weirdness, this wannabe fascism, this performative. They're all failed like actors too. Like they all wanted to be famous. And this was their path also to kind of being famous and being known. So they strut around the halls of Capitol Hill and they, you know, they, they show this arrogance and this attitude in the in the people's house and the people's building. And it's like, do you even know what you're there for? Like, do you even know what your job is? And the answer is no. Because when they pass a bill based upon a conspiracy theory that they invented to then create a bill to focus on their conspiracy about 87,000 IRS agents, which is just false in every regard, it's 87,000 employees over a 10-year period based on IRS agents who have left and who have been fired so the IRS can function and that the billionaires can't get away with continuing to be tax cheats. But most of the people are IT people. They go, oh, we they're defunded. We passed the law. You didn't pass the law. That's not the way it works. You pass the bill. It has to go to the Senate. It has to, they don't, it has to get signed by the president. They don't know. So going back, though, again, to you know Santos, to McCarthy, to all those people, and here's their cult leader. Is it any – Is it? of course this is the result when their cult leader says stuff like this. By the way, he says this every single day. This is what he posted today on his social media platform. The FBI – Fake Bureau of Investigation. Just pause there for one second before I read. Uh, then he goes, and the Department of Injustice. Okay, this is the party that claims they're for law enforcement. I mean, calling the FBI the Fake Bureau of Investigation and, and who he's mad about at the FBI is his own appointee. He's mad at Christopher Ray. He's mad at Christopher Ray for conduct that occurred in October of 2020. His own- and let me just say, like, one of the whole, like, criticisms when I see, you know, stuff about the special counsel who was appointed by Merrick Garland for the Biden documents is I see people like Lauren Boebert and, like, Trump and, you know, all these MAGA lunatics posting, how dare they appoint a Christopher Ray friend? A Cr- Christopher Ray's a Republican who was appointed by Donald Trump. What do you mean? Don't turn him into a Democrat. How, how dare you appoint somebody who was buddy-buddy with Bill Barr? It's their playbook. It's their playbook. It's the circular firing squad that is the Republican Party. The second that they're no longer, quote unquote, of use to them, they will turn around and call you a rhino. And you know who's the biggest example of it, who they still attack every single day? This is really like the end result of all of it is when they find somebody like Ray Epps, who was an actual MAGA insurrectionist, and they go, Democrat, FBI, plant, and they ruin this guy's life. 
over uh, this. And every single, even today, you could find thousands and thousands of tweets of people going, oh, Ray Epps. When the Brazil insurrection happened a couple of weeks ago, it was, oh, did Ray Epps do it? Those were all the jokes from like Matt Gates and Bobert. And even Ray Epps said on January 5th, Ray Epps was saying we should all go to the Capitol. So that's happened on the 5th. And then on the 6th, there was video of him that basically when the insurrection was about to take place, he's like, don't attack the cops. Stop, stop, stop. Don't attack the police. So based on that, they've created the conspiracy that he was actually the feds and that he was working with the police because he said, don't attack the cops. And based on that, that's why they ruined Ray Epps life for, for, for that reason. By the way, the FBI put out a wanted photo of Ray Epps as part of the people. Like why, if, if he, why would they do that? As, <laughs> as they do for their secret agents, uh, they, they, they had wanted posters and demand everyone find them and, and turn them in. Um, should I go back on. to reading? Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> the FBI, I, I, it was my fault. I digress. The FBI, <laughs> fake Bureau of Investigation in the Department of Injustice, together with the Trump-hating thug, Jack Smith, are interviewing, harassing, and subpoenaing people that work for me relative to the boxes hoax and the, quote, peacefully and patriotically speech I made at the January 6th protest of the rigged and stolen presidential election where so many have been treated horribly and unconstitutionally. This is a Gestapo-type operation. Are they doing this to the Biden people? I don't think so. But Biden didn't overthrow the United States government. I mean, here you are in the statement still calling it a rigged and stolen presidential election, despite the fact that your FBI, your Department of Justice, all of your lawyers said that you are a batshit crazy and spreading these conspiracy theories. The fact, the fact that you lost over 70 federal cases, including cases in front of judges that you appointed, including losing in front of the United States Supreme Court. But you go on and say this, and this is like, it's barely coherent stuff, Brad. Like when you read this, it, it, it all... And here was the thing when we showed the deposition of E. Jean Carroll as well. This is how he talks in depositions. That's so like when he's asked questions and, and E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, was just asking him, so, okay, so you believe that uh, E. Jean Carroll's a hoax? So what other hoaxes do you think? And his response is, the Russia, 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 Russia hoax? Ukraine, 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 Ukraine hoax? The, the <laughs> he goes, the, 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 the mail-in voting hoax? The, you know, and he, he talks the way, this is how he speaks. And it is, it is beyond weird. By the way, this is who Kevin McCarthy gets his orders from as well. Because Kevin McCarthy's new thing is, not his new thing, but specifically what he's focused on is going after Adam Schiff. And Donald Trump like tweets things and calls Adam Schiff like watermelon head, like, like a little, like a petulant third grade, like, like weird stuff. Donald Trump's posting photos of Adam Schiff like dressed in like dresses and like this is what Donald Trump's spending his time with. And Kevin McCarthy takes that and Kevin McCarthy then like just completely the new thing is going back to like if this was like a company, not only would they be fired, they would be sued for like slander and they would be sued for defamation, like just yeah. like harassing and lying about their coworkers all all the time about Swalwell, about Schiff. It's 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 wild. And they're protected under the Constitution speech and debate clause. They can't be sued for the things they say on the House floor, which is we could have another debate about that. But they're, they're immune. That's why you can't sue them for those things. 
I still feel like there are other opportunities where they should be able to sue him. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But like the other day when McCarthy was making the Swalwell statements and saying defamatory things Absolutely about Swalwell, protected. he he did not say it on the floor of the House, though. He said it in an interview in the, like the hallways. Why, why is that protected? In the House of Representatives, he would he would be ridiculous. 100% spe- ridiculous, but he would be protected under the speech and debate clause for that. Now, if he gave that statement outside and he gave it in the context of just the press interview outside, but like anybody would tell you that, unfortunately, he would be protected under the speech or debate. Like he shouldn't be. It's just automatic immunity that they get because – it was viewed by the drafters of the Constitution that they may say inflammatory things from time to time. And if they could get sued for the things that they say, their liability could be limitless. I, I, I don't disagree with you, though, that he absolutely deserves to be sued for that. Now, in addition to this, Trump again going after DeSantis. And I, I think this whole DeSantis thing started because there was like some fake email that was circulating that purported to be from uh, the Trump campaign that sought to fundraise for DeSantis, uh, sought to fundraise for Trump praising DeSantis. And the whole thing was kind of false, like it wasn't even a real thing that was being sent around. But Trump's uh, Trump had to deny that this was even sent by him. And so based on that, like he had DeSantis in his mind. So when he was giving this interview on this right wing network, DeSantis's name came up and he like just straight up threatens DeSantis. I'm going to go. Ha- I'm going to have to go after him the way I handle other people. Like just listen to the way this guy, this mafia style talking of crazy. Play this. Those rallies were unbelievable. And he ended up beating Gillum. And most people thought he couldn't do that. But I, I thought he could. So uh, I got him elected, pure and simple. He would have never if I if I said I wasn't going to endorse you. Uh, and I was, well, you know, there was no reason to go wild about endorsing him. So, you know, now I hear he might want to run against me. So we'll handle that the way I handle things. We'll handle that the way I handle things. <laughs> it's like the Deranged. most transparent. Th- like he's bare. Like I know when we've had Cohen on and stuff, he goes, "You got to listen." Donald Trump speaks in mafia style code, but sometimes he just speaks. Sometimes that, like that is as direct. That to me is not even code. That to me is like, I am going to come after you and I am going to smear you and attack you and threaten you and threaten your family. The same things he's doing to Jack Smith. That's what he's threatening on DeSantis, on his wife, on his kid. Like that's his yeah. plan. It's really disturbing stuff. It, it's really disturbing. And as bluntly as he says it, though, it is definitely a bit mafioso in the style. Uh, I think in that same interview, maybe we'll touch on it later, but he starts to go after the evangelicals who have not endorsed him for his 2024 presidential run yet. And he calls them very disloyal. These people are being very disloyal. It's all about loyalty to him. It's a very strange dynamic. And coming from a former president, I mean, it's disturbing and it should alarm everybody who watches these clips. Like, yes, we could talk about it and maybe make light of it a bit. But at the at the root of it, this guy was the president of the country. He's running again in 2024. There's an entire movement based around him and his ideals. Like he's a clear and present danger to our democracy. I got to say, there's one, I just want to say, I was thinking yesterday, it's unbelievable that we survived four years of this maniac in office. Honestly, four years is a long time to have this maniac running things. And I was just like, last night, I was like, we got, we are so lucky. I mean, obviously so much damage has been done. 
But man, thank God, thank the voters. Thank, I, I, the fact that we survived those years is is because well, what what it does come down to though is that he is very incompetent and he also is very weak. It, it, it's all braggadocia. It's all bravado. It, it, there's nothing real behind it, no which substance. is frankly, I think one of the reasons we've been able to survive the four years because he spends all the time golfing. You know, w- when he actually gets involved in things, things get destroyed right away. But he's such an idiot and he's so distracted by a lot of things that fortunately he's not focused enough at the time to actually execute on his fascistic desires, unlike other fascistic people in the past. But to your point, Jordy, and I wouldn't use the word ideals so much as his kind of, kind of his, his, the hate that he spews and the brainwashing that he engages in on his cult. It's that Trumpism. It's that strand. It's the fact that you have this lunatic domestic terrorist army of MAGA supporters who still support this guy, even if that number dwindles to 15% or 10% of the population, you're still talking still about tens and millions of people who are willing to do anything for this utter criminal, this wannabe fascist. And that's why we have to call it out each and every time. And um, But I say regarding the Trump and DeSantis going at each other, do it. Do yes. it. Attack yes. each other. Eat each other up. I will have my popcorn. I will watch that and I will add any fuel that I can to that fire. I don't have to, though, because Donald Trump is going to try to destroy DeSantis's life. And by the way, DeSantis is very weak, too. That's the thing about both of them. DeSantis is slightly more competent and intelligent than Trump, but DeSantis's whole, whole shtick is he goes to someone in the media, he like yells at them, but if you ever watch him be confronted with actually a tough question, he's a very scared individual. He's very weak. He's a very bad debater. He's very bad on his feet. He really can't handle problems, and he's kind of someone that the moment a campaign at a national level gets started, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of controversy and a lot of scandal Mm -hmm. surrounding him as well, just how he handles it. Jordy, you mentioned the statement that Trump made in the same interview about evangelical leaders. If we have that clip, this is Donald Trump uh, today attacking the evangelical leadership. You are the ultimate fighter, uh, the ultimate counterpuncher for sure. And that makes me think of evangelicals, why they loved you uh, twice uh, in those elections. And you announced when you announce your candidacy, at least as it stands now, some of these prominent evangelical leaders who backed you last time, they're not yet willing to commit like Robert Jeffress is not some others. It seems like many of them are waiting to see how the field takes shape before backing anyone. What is your message to them? Well, I don't really care. Look, uh that's a, that's a sign of disloyalty. There's great disloyalty in the world of politics, and that's a sign of disloyalty because nobody, as you know, and you would know better than anybody because you do such a great job, nobody has ever done more for right to life than Donald Trump. I put three Supreme Court justices who all voted, and they got something that they've been fighting for for 64 years or many, many years. Right. And nobody thought they could win it. You know, they, they won. Uh, Roe v. Wade, they won. They finally won. And, you know, I was a little disappointed because uh, I thought they could have fought much harder during the election, during the 22 election, because, you know, they won. And a lot of them uh, didn't fight or weren't really around to fight. And it did energize 
the Democrats, but a lot of the people that wanted and fought for years to get it, they sort of, uh, I don't know, they weren't there protesting and doing what they could have done. But with all of that being said, there's nobody that's done more for the movement than I have, and that includes uh, the movement of evangelicals and Christians and the movement very much of right to life. Can we just talk about the interviewer, though, who goes, everybody knows you're the ultimate fighter. You're the ultimate counter puncher. And that's why the evangelical leaders like you. Now, why would the evangelical leaders like what are, the, what are those qualities? Because you're a fighter and you you counter punch people. That's what attracts the evangelical community. You would think they would say, well, based upon your compassion and following the teachings of Jesus. And and, and that's you why clearly you haven't read that commandment. Then. <laughs> <laughs> because shall you're, punch a <laughs> and you're a fascist and you are a despicable human being. Of course, that's why the evangelical community clearly supports you. So wh- why aren't they supporting? Well, you know, I fight like hell. You know, you break this stuff down. And, and, and that's why I, you know, I don't want to like pat the Midas Touch Network on the back, but like <laughs> w- when you hear the large media networks, like, like, why aren't they saying that? Like, they would just <laughs> accept those statements that the yes, the evangelical communities, like, what, 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 like, what were that? What was that statement right there? Like, how could nobody call that out? But it is interesting to your point, Jordy, that here Trump is he's afraid. He knows he's losing their support. And so now he's counterpunching, counterpunching the evangelicals. Punch them. <laughs> yeah, just, always just a good to counterpunch. Chapter one of how to win friends and influence people. Counterpunch. That's always what counterpunch. Uh, I mean, literally, you turn the right other now. cheek. It's like you slap him in the cheek. <laughs> where, where was Trump taking that interview from? Underwater? Why? Where, what was going on there for him? You'd think he'd have at least a little better uh, connection over at Mar-a-Lago. I've got no idea. I don't even know what he was saying. Like, he, I don't think he knows what he's saying. And I don't think he totally understands his own argument because just two weeks ago, Donald Trump was saying, I think Republicans went a little too hard on the abortion stuff and they lost some, they lost some support because the Democrats were able to run on it. And in this interview, he sort of waffles back and forth between both that, but also why didn't the evangelicals get more energized and why didn't they go out there and start going abortion? We did it. We banned it. We look at us, look at us. And he doesn't really know where he stands. All he knows is that his support is dwindling by the day. His back is against the wall. Mm -hmm. So he does what his instinct is, which is to attack. And in this case, he's attacking the very people <laughs> that he needs to get elected. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, wait, I just want to make this quick observation, Ben, before we move on. It, it's also a, a sort of a trick too, Brett, that we've seen time and time again with these MAGA Republicans, with these Republicans at large, is they'll go on one platform and say X, and then go on another platform and say Y and Z, just based on the perceived audience who they think they're going to be talking to. So the fact that Trump came out and, and sort of said that there leads me to believe that the the conversation he thought he was going to have with this person, that the viewership was, was very uh, evangelical in nature. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where else he goes. It's the same network. That's the extremist network that yeah. he goes on every day. So I mean, it's not like it's he's like the going only one on that lets any, him on at this point. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like he's going on any other networks right there. But you know who did go on another network though? Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. He went on uh, the Chuck Todd Meet the Press, and I, I got it. You know, Chuck Todd did a did a he did a stop decent, it, stop it, stop it, stop he it. Did he did his job. He he did his job. Chuck Todd did his job. That's the headline. Still, Chuck Todd let Ron Johnson just move on to the topic. Chuck Todd's like, you're living in your own cocoon. All right, let's talk about Brazil. You know, he still didn't uh, like really hammer him. But, you know, Chuck Todd said, "Okay, you all want to focus on Hunter, who 
didn't work in the government, who had nothing to do with any policy. Well, Democrats in the Senate want to investigate Kushner because while he actually was a representative, one of the highest government officials in the United States at the time, who couldn't secure a security clearance, but was given a security clearance anyway, despite the fact that he failed the security clearance check, he engaged apparently very selfishly on multiple occasions in trying to bail his own personal businesses out. Like he bailed his this building that was in $1.4 billion in debt in Manhattan, the 666 building um, that all Pause. of us. Imagine if Hunter Biden owned a building and the number of the building was 666. Let's just start there and imagine the freakouts, the QAnon conspiracy theories, the comments from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, proceed. So Kushner owns this 666 building in Manhattan um, that he acquired with his family money. Um, Tanked. They cannot run it for crap. And they are about to, they're about to come due on a $1.4 or $1.3 billion debt payment that is now due, which would bankrupt the entire family. There's a Saudi Arabian uh, blockade taking place on Qatar. And so what does Kushner do? While this happens, he flies to the Middle East, he meets with the Qatari government, and then he meets with the Saudi government. And then all of a sudden, the Saudis agree to end the blockade of Qatar. And then Qatar, through an entity that they have ownership of in the United States, has a 1.4, almost to the dollar, billion dollar ground lease in 666, which was a trash property that nobody wanted a part of. All of a sudden, they do a ground lease that basically Mm -hmm. to the dollar equals the debt payment that's due, um, rapidly increasing the value of the building. And then after doing that, because now Kushner's got himself caught up in a whole Ponzi scheme of Middle East stuff. So then he's got to go give something to MBS. So then he gives MBS classified records. He gives them the enemy list of all of the kind of assets against MBS that our intelligence community was aware of. And what does MBS do? He kills everybody on the list that Kushner that Kushner gives him. And then what happens after that, when Kushner leaves, then MBS gives him $2 billion for giving him the enemies list. And then, and then, by the way, when MBS was here, MBS said this happened. MBS was bragging to American press and British press saying, I have Kushner in my pocket. He was the one who bragged that Kushner gave him the enemy list. This isn't like, oh, just sources said. MBS, the leader of Saudi Arabia, said Kushner gave him the enemy list. And Kushner didn't deny it. Kushner was like, that's not true. Think, think about that. So with all of that context, let's play this Chuck Todd interview. Where I, I have skepticism of both parties. I sit here with skepticism of a lot of people's work. And I'm curious, so are you, were you at all concerned? Uh, this, your Senate Democrats want to investigate Jared Kushner's uh, loan from the Qatari government when he was working in the government negotiating uh, many things in the Middle East. Are you not as concerned about the, are you not concerned about that? And I say that because it seems to me if you're concerned about what Hunter Biden did, you should be equally outraged about what Jared Kushner did. I, I'm I'm concerned about getting the truth. I don't target individuals, target individuals. You, should, I target you don't? The truth. You're targeting Hunter Biden. My, my, my concern is this show, my, Senator. You're targeting an Chuck, individual. Chuck, my, my concern my, my you know, Chuck. 
you know, part, part of the problem, and, and this is pretty obvious to anybody watching this, is you don't invite me on to interview me, you invite me on to argue with me. You know, I'm just trying to lay out the facts that certainly Senator Grassley and I uncovered. They were suppressed, they were censored, they interfered in the 2020 election. Conservatives understand that. Unfortunately, liberals in the media don't. And that's part of the things yeah. that, uh, part, part of the reasons our politics are inflamed is we do not have an unbiased uh, media. We don't. It's unfortunate. I'm all for a free press. Well, it needs Senator, to be more unbiased. Senator, There's look, misinformation is, look, on both sides, but the Senator, censorship and Senator, suppression look, we're trying to primarily do issues here, in from fact, the left. Partisan cable. Look, you can go back on your partisan cable cocoon and talk about media bias all you want. I understand it's part of your identity. Let me move to what happened in Brazil. They've uncovered uh, Hunter Biden's dick pictures on a laptop. That's what they're, that's what they are super, and that somehow dealt with causing interference with an election while Donald Trump was the government. I mean, they are such complete, they're just, they're clowns. But that's also why the whole uh, both sides, conservative, liberal, the construct, there always has to be like a yin to the yang or like, uh, you know, both sides of an argument. Okay, Hunter Biden, Jared Kushner, they're completely different things. Yes. Hunter Biden, not a government official. We're talking about like dick pics and some weird stuff. By the way, if he committed crimes, go investigate him. But he wasn't representing the United right. States right. as some weird Prince, uh, prince, like some weird crap that doesn't exist in our country, doing foreign diplomacy, undermining American foreign policy, and taking bribes to help his own personal business. That's, that's just not what was taking place. So it's not even a close comparison here between the two. But that's the tactic of MAGA that you, the moment that they've done it, Donald Trump has Chinese bank accounts. He has he's taken 15 to 20 million dollars um, while he was like the right before he was the president in dealings with like Chinese officials who are like mm -hmm. close to the government and had secret Chinese bank accounts while he was the president. So what do you do? Just just make shit up. If you're a MAGA Republican, just lie because the media is not going to go into it. So just say Biden's owned by the communist China. Just say it. Because then your people in your echo chamber just hear it. And then when the real news is reported that Donald Trump has a, um, you know, has this account, you know, you do. But but on the other hand, um, however, don't you want to say, no, they're completely different concepts. And that's one of the way law and order is eroded. But Brett, we've got some serious things to address right now with all of the chaos agents that we've just demonstrated exist. I mean, it, I, we could go on for five hours, profile literally every member, every yeah. single one, at least in the House of Representatives and probably 95% in the Senate of these Republicans. And, and they're all like that. They're all weird wannabe fascists. But now we got real stuff to deal with. And I think this caught a lot of people by surprise because I think everyone thought with the spending package, we weren't going to be dealing with having to raise the debt ceiling this quickly. In theory, while the debt ceiling has to be raised this Thursday, there's kind of ways the government can kind of shuffle around money, which is certainly the least ideal situation to keep the government running through what? 
May or June, but things need to be addressed right now. There's nothing more sacred. Maybe there's things more sacred, but what is very sacred is the full faith and credit of the United States. It's definitely up there um, and not defaulting on our debt. And these MAGA Republicans, they want to play games with it. They want to basically say, well, we'll do this, but you got to do this. And maybe that works for how you intimidate McCarthy. But Democrats are like, no, we're not negotiating with hostage takers. So no, you are either going to keep the government functioning or we're going to call you out for it. But we're not negotiating. There's nothing to negotiate. You need to keep the government functioning. Brett, tell us the situation that's going on with this raising of the debt ceiling. It's just what you said. They're being fiscal terrorists here and they are making demands. And their whole goal in this is to secure big cuts to programs that Americans need like Social Security, like Medicare, like Medicaid. It's always their end game. And I'm shocked that they are playing this card so early on because we spoke about this so often during the midterm campaign. It was a huge point for Democrats on the campaign trail that Republicans want to cut Social Security and Medicare. It was a big motivating factor for voters. And you had all these Republicans going, that's a lie, blew it on, conspiracy theory, oh, look, look what's going on, oh, they're lying. And meanwhile, like we were like, we're not lying. Listen to their words. Listen to the things that they are saying. They are saying they want to cut these programs. So now here we are, two weeks into Republican control of the House, and they are basically trying to do a quid pro quo of sorts and say, hey, oh, you want that debt ceiling raised? You, want, you guys want that debt ceiling raised, huh? Well, maybe a little cuts to Medicare and Social Security will do it. Maybe we raise the age of retirement for Social Security for when you get your Social Security. How about that? We make some of these changes. We could talk. Now, Notice how this never happens, never happens, if there is a Republican president in charge. When a Republican president is in charge, it's up to no matter what, push the spending bills through, spend as much money as possible, raise the deficit, explode the debt. We don't care. We'll do anything. Tax cuts for billionaires, trillion dollars here. They pay for themselves. They pay for them. Oh, the CBO (laughs) says, oh, the CBO conspiracy theorist, CBO. It's like selling a a pillow with, it's like, they pay for itself. You could get two for one. (laughs) Give the billionaires 10 jets, five yachts. It pays for itself, folks. Yeah. And it's like the Republicans added $7 trillion to the national debt under Trump. $7 trillion. Sheesh. And now they're demanding cuts to Social Security and to Medicare in order to raise the debt ceiling. It's really an attack on Americans. And yes. the fallout from not raising the debt ceiling would be absolutely catastrophic. And Republicans have gotten close to that before. If you remember in 2011, the one time in our history where our credit was actually downgraded because Republicans played games just like this. Same games they always play when there's a Democratic president. Let let me also remind you, the Republicans raised the debt ceiling three times, no questions asked under Donald Trump. It's never an issue with them. To me, the debt ceiling, just in general, as a function, is politics at its worst. It's the dumbest thing we have in our Mm. system. It's a self-inflicted wound in our system. We have no need to do it. It should be understood. If you pass bills that say you're paying money, you should pay that money. There shouldn't be a cap where all of a sudden you go, oh, 
not paying my bills anymore. That's not how it works for people in their homes. That's not how it should work for our government. You should not just be able to say, oh, no, I'm just going to destroy my credit today of the entire country, wipe out the entire global economy, tank everyone's 401ks, retirement funds. That's what I plan to do today. It's just a ridiculous thing to even get our situation in. It's always a political football. It's always used so viciously and by these just craven opportunists on the Republican side. I wish we could just get rid of it completely, honestly. It's just so stupid, in my opinion. Preach, big bro. Did you coin... I just wanted okay. to ask Brett a question, if, if you don't mind, Brett. Um, Brett, did you coin fiscal fiscal terrorist? That's a, that's a I like that phrase for the for the Republicans. Yeah, it's not exactly super uh, creative, I don't think, but I think it gets the point across. What did, think, what did Biden call today? Biden had an interesting term for them today. Fiscally demented. Fiscally demented. <laughs> do, you, do you have Do you have the clip where Biden called Republicans fiscally demented? You know, they're talking. They're going to talk about big spending Democrats again. Guess what? I reduced the deficit last year, $350 billion. And this year, federal deficit is down $1 trillion plus dollars. Hear me, that's a fact. And there's going to be hundreds of billions reduced over the next decade. But so what? These guys are the fiscally, you know, they're fiscally demented, I think. They don't, they don't quite get it. They're definitely that's not that's fiscally really good. <laughs> they're definitely not fiscally conservative. And that's one of the things, too, that Democrats and the pro-democracy coalition just has to stop letting Republicans get away with and calling themselves fiscally conservative. If you look at whether it's Obama, whether you look whether it's Clinton who balanced the budget, whether you look at Biden, <laughs> you want to see who's fiscally conservative. How about the people who are conserving fiscally, (laughs) not the people that are spending without being able to pay for it? The MAGA Republicans run our budget the way Donald Trump runs his businesses. And it's not Mm -hmm. a surprise that when Donald Trump, who says that he's the king of debt, he's not the king of debt. He's the king of bankruptcy because he's bankrupted every entity that he's touched. So their plan when it comes to their tax cuts is it doesn't even matter how you pay for it. it who, who cares? Who cares what the deficit is when we're in power? And that's why they run up these mega, mega deficits. And they can't call themselves. There's nothing fiscally conservative. So we have to stop letting them use that label because as between someone who's fiscally conservative and someone who's not fiscally conservative, if you're fiscally conservative, you're going – you already have an edge in the debate, okay? If you tell me, hey, you know, you can go to this accountant, very fiscally conservative, or you can go to this accountant, not fiscally conservative. I'm going to go, can I get the fiscally conservative uh, accountant, please, <laughs> who's going to take care of my money? But they're not. This is the group that, you know, to, to Biden's point, it's the accountant who's going to come up with some scheme and then put my money, you know, and, and steal my money and give it to some billionaire. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. How often have you heard somebody say the refrain, you know, I'm fiscal conservative, but I'm socially liberal. You hear it all the time. And that's why I vote for some Republican. That's because, you know, I'm I'm fiscally, I'm socially liberal. You know, I, I... I support gay marriage. You know, it's usually like couched with like something, you know, you know, you know. But, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. You know, it's all good. It's all good. 
but I'm fiscally conservative. If that's the case, then you're a Democrat, if, if that's the case, because there's one party that's fiscally conservative, and it's the Democrats. And you don't have to believe me. It's math. It's literal math. It's numbers. It's in writing. It's indisputable. So that's the facts. They lie about everything. And as we go through this, from Santos to McCarthy to lying about the debt and the deficit, lying about IRS agents, you realize they lie about everything. We may have difference of opinions on the pro-democracy side about different issues, different way of handling things, but I don't see people just outright lying like that, just so brazenly. This is math. They are lying. It is in black and white for all to see. So you go, why? You know, so why are they lying? Like, why does Santos lie? He lies because he wants to stay in power. He lies because he wants money. He lies because he wants some advantage. And by lying, he can distract you from the truth. And so when you see MAGA Republicans saying that, look, one of the things that this is their, their big thing this week, Democrats are coming to take your stoves. They are coming for your stoves. And you go, well, why would they lie about why that they're coming for your stoves? Because while they distract you with that and while the media talks about that, look mm-hmm. at my left hand. You know, it's sleight of hand. It's the magic trick, right? Look at my left hand. Here are the stoves. Boom, got your social security. Boom, got your Medicare. Boom, got, you know, your ability to have access to affordable health care. That's what they're actually trying to take away. And if they were to actually say those things versus take, you know, what they talk about, stoves and IRS agents, they know that they will be criticized. They know every one of their policies, every single one, other than with like weird cultists and billionaires without consciousness, which is a lot of mostly all billionaires, but a lot of billionaires. Um, other than that, their policies do not have any positive outcome on 99, probably 0.9% of Americans, every single one of their policies. So they got to get you angry and they could get you angry with pronouns. They could get you angry. What, what's the one that they've been posting now? They, they the Last night after like the Miss Universe pageant, which is now owned by a trans- I didn't even follow this one. Yeah, I saw by, something about it. By, I was like, by, by, by a trans individual. Yeah. And, and so now they're focused on, oh, that's not a real woman. And they post that around. And really, she's not a girl. you know. And, and that's like they're- And they're focused on all of these issues to try to distract you from what they're really after. They're after your money. They're taking your money. They're they're sucking your power. They're, they're taking away everything from you and enriching themselves. And that's that's the sleight of hand going on. And when we talk about gaslighting, it's always on display on certain days of the year, particularly. And I just feel like on MLK Day, it's like always on. So like where you have the MAGA Republicans, they post always some generic quote about I have a dream regarding MLK or something very generic. And no, I, I'll tell you what it is. It's it, it's always the same one because it's actually very devious what they do. Mm-hmm. They always post the don't judge by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character post because, and then they ignore the rest of Martin Luther King's words, the rest of all of his statements ever throughout his life. They focus on that one for the most part. And why? Because they use that to try to push their racist policies. They use Dr. Martin Luther King 
in an evil way. They use him to try to say, and that's why we're banning CRT, something that doesn't exist, right? And that's why we are banning, ironically, the teaching of Dr. Martin Luther King in schools, because we don't want white kids to feel bad. Like Martin Luther King said, judge them by the content of their character, not the color Mm -hmm. of their skin. Not what he meant. And Mm -hmm. it's almost become a, a weird tradition in these holidays, a sick Republican tradition they look forward where to you it. just know, you know, you know, all the tweets are coming. You know, you're going to get the Ted Cruz tweet and the Boebert tweet and the Greg Abbott tweet. And the Greg Abbott tweet probably highlights this more than just about any of them because it's so clear cut and I'll bring it up. So like Ben said, he does a generic image, Martin Luther King Day, Greg Abbott, governor of Texas writes, Dr. Martin Luther King's vision of liberty and opportunity for all inspired our nation. Today, we honor his life and legacy. The beacon of hope he lit burns brightly in Texas. Now it burns so brightly in Texas that Greg Abbott has actually extinguished the flames of it burning because he actually has a bill that passed the Texas Senate that removes Martin Luther King from the required curriculum. So this is a guy who is pretending to celebrate the legacy while he is signing bills removing Martin Luther King from the curriculum. And I bet if confronted about it, he would say, just like Martin Luther King said, content, not the color of your skin, the content of your character. That's the line they try to use to justify all their decisions like that. It's really sick and twisted. Here's what President Biden uh, said today. He said, the idea that we're supposed to remain silent on abuses of the past as if they didn't occur, that's not being woke. That's being honest. Here, let's play this clip of President Biden if we got it, Brett. The idea, if we can hold a second here, the idea that we're supposed to remain silent on the, on, on, on the abuses of the past as, they didn't, as if they didn't occur, that's not being woke. That's being honest. That's talking about history. And I've been thinking about it a lot more, Brett, with, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. We're like, okay, their obsession with Mr. Potato Head and the the green M&M who they label a lesbian and the purple female uh, M&M who they label obese and, um, you know, and Dr. Seuss and all of these things. We, we, We touched upon it last time, but it allows them to go to these anthropomorphic objects or figures, you know, and to project all of the racism that they want to do on actual people. And they know if they did it so overtly to individuals and people that right now they would get pushed back for that. They, they, they hope that they wouldn't get pushed back for it. So they focus their target on these inanimate objects that have been given personalities so that they can go after and attack them and project this racism and hate on them in these, you know, in, in these really despicable ways, you know, and, and this whole thing about the woke and the this and the that, it, they're just substituting words, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all they're doing. We know what they really mean when they're saying, right. when, when they're saying the woke like it, it's obvious and i'm glad that president biden is you know is calling it out you know but i think we also need right now more than ever as we're exposing who these house republicans are i think we just need it needs to be more grassroots also though like we just for far too long these maga republicans just 
feel that they can just say whatever that you know whatever mm-hmm. the heck they want without pushback without condemnation you know and it's interesting too like i don't know if you saw this but when kevin mccarthy uh, uh, defamed Eric Swalwell on the House, Brett, to your point. And we experienced this here in, in in the Midas Touch network where occasionally you'll have some right-wingers kind of come after us. And for 24 hours, it's kind of the same pattern that'll happen. Like through their 4chan and their gab, whatever their things are that they use and their truth, social, whatever they call these things now, they'll gin up all of these death threats against you. And they have these apps where they know where you live and they get like the phone numbers, not just of you, but like family members and people who you live with. And they stop after about three days, but I'm sure for people like Swallow, he gets it probably every day. But for a sustained period of time, they threaten your life and they threaten your family's lives and they just go after and they attack you. And Swalwell, it was someone who was working at like a medical supply company, someone like a healthcare worker in like Indiana or something um, who like wrote, I'm going to kill you mother effer, you know, and all, you know, but that's, that's what they're being told by the Republican party, right? Like the Republican party isn't condemning that. Kevin McCarthy isn't saying that's wrong. Quite the contrary. At the most high-profile level when you're dealing with Nancy Pelosi and someone engages in a home invasion and the Speaker of the House is the intended target of a murder and her husband is nearly killed by someone who's with a hammer who repeatedly beats it, what do the MAGA Republicans do? They, they can't even condemn that. I mean, just think about the lack of humanity. They can't even condemn that at the most high-profile level. So when you talk about, and this is how the show kind of goes full circle, when you are the party where you don't have, it doesn't even require courage, where you just don't have the the, the humanity, I suppose, to go to George Santos and say, get out of this party, get out of this organization, you can't be here. And when you're the party, when the Speaker of the House, who's a Democrat, is the target of an assassination and her husband is nearly assassinated and gets brutally beat and nearly killed with the hammer, your instinct is to spread a conspiracy theory that it was part of a homosexual love tryst and that the guy was in his underwear and then you make jokes about it and say that this is a good Halloween costume and you continue to, to, to act like that's a funny thing. So when you, when you say Pelosi situation is funny, and that you can't speak up to George Santos, those are just two examples. What we have here is dehumanization, right? Mm-hmm. A lack of humanity. And when you can program people to treat people like cockroaches, when you lose all humanity, mm-hmm. that is where things get very, very, very dangerous. And that is what the MAGA Republicans are ultimately doing and have done. They've trained their people to treat Democrats like like worse than cockroaches. And that and and that there's no bigger enemy to a MAGA Republican. If you were to poll it, I bet you would say Russia, Kim Jong-un, President Biden. I no one does that poll because I think they're afraid of the results. Sure. But I almost guarantee you. The outcome would be Biden would be more of an enemy to American MAGA Republicans than Putin and Kim Jong-un. And you could put a number of other people on that list. And I'd even make it more generic than Biden. 
a Democrat. Who's who is more of a threat to your life? A Democrat, Vladimir Putin, fentanyl. Like put put all the boogeymen in one in one thing and put a, a Democrat. You're a Democratic neighbor. And I could almost guarantee that that would be number one. But also to bring it full circle, Ben, Kevin McCarthy, Tucker Carlson, um, Donald Trump, all these people seem to be able to say whatever they want with no consequence to them. So these followers believe that they could do the same. But often they're reminded that they aren't bound by the same protections as Kevin McCarthy, as their leader. So true. And so in the case of mm-hmm. Eric Swalwell, they try to use that language at Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell calls the guy out publicly. He gets fired from that healthcare company within hours. And that happens repeatedly. And then instead of having the introspection, because this did happen to us when we got attacked once, where we got attacked, I posted the threat. People called up the person's business and the person got fired. The person said very vile threats. After first denying that they were the person who sent the private message to us threatening our lives, they then switch to the same sort of rhetoric in the messages threatening our lives once again. How dare you cancel me? How dare you come at me? Da, 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 da. The same fear tactics. And it's all in an effort to scare you, to silence you, to threaten you. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Could there's no account there's no there's no self-accountability for these MAGA Republicans. And by the way, that person who gets fired, you know, after the swallow situation. Where's McCarthy, buddy? Where's Where's Trump, buddy? They're not going to save you. They don't care about you. They wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. Stop following these lunatics, please. For your own good, just stop it. They don't care. Everybody, about you. buckle up, as Jay says and as Brett says. We've got so much news that's going to be breaking over the next weeks and months. We're going to be very, very, very busy here on the Midas Touch Network. But I still feel very good about 2023 being the year of accountability. 2022, the wheels of justice moved in the right direction. They turned ever so slowly with some headwinds. But 2023, the year of accountability, the year of independent media, and the year of the Midas Mighty. And I want to thank each and every one of you watching this and listening to this for all of your support. We are absolutely nothing here without you. You give us inspiration. Please make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel and make sure you also subscribe to this podcast on audio. If you're an audio listener, go to our YouTube and subscribe on the Midas Touch YouTube. If you are a YouTube watcher, go search the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your podcast and subscribe now wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, if you can, because it is a membership, but it does go a long way to help grow this independent media platform. Check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. Here's the thing, folks. We are not funded by any outside investors at all. That's a real revolutionary way of doing the media. Imagine if the large media networks didn't take money from billionaires or decamillionaires who had their own agenda. We don't, so that's how we basically stay 100% independent. But frankly, I wouldn't be doing this if I couldn't stay 100% independent and 100% accountable to you. So if this content is ever not to your liking, 
That's it for us. But we're confident that we're going to bring you the best, most truthful, the the best research content out there. We're working day and night around the clock. And so if you can and you want to support that, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. And I'll announce that we've got something really cool on Patreon. Yes, I was hoping you'd break this on here. Yeah, this weekend we're going to be doing an exclusive video chat where we're going to talk about some of our plans on our Patreon. For all of those who aren't Patreon members, don't worry. We're not changing our YouTube cadence at all. You're still going to get all the free content that we have here. Just doing it on patreon.com slash Midas Touch allows us to get funding for the network to do the research, to get the editing, to help you know pull all the different assets that we do, to work with contributors and so much more. So that's why we do it. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear and the best Midas Touch gear. I love our Convict or Convict 45 shirt, Person, Woman, Man, Camera, Prison shirt, as well. I read banned books. What a That's great shirt, shirt as well. So comfortable, by the way. And, and we've got just some really good, just kind of standard Midas Touch swag, you know, the Midas Touch hat, Midas Touch shirts. I love when I'm in public and I see someone wearing some Midas Touch gear. It's really cool to kind of just see that uh, out and about. So go to store.midastouch.com there. I know you will really enjoy the gear. And I want to again, just thank everybody for watching it. Again, we're so grateful for you. Hit the subscribe button now before you forget. And we'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my younger brothers and co-founders, Brett and Jordy Micellis. I'll see you later. Jordy, take it out. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.